The word of God says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not into seeds as of many, but as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ. Now we believe right this morning, right? We have an inerrant, infallible, perfect, preserved word of God. Amen. And it's pretty important because right there, God makes a huge distinction between a plural and a singular. So the words of scripture are important so much so that he says, and he clarifies himself. I didn't say into seeds, but to seed, to the, to the seed. So the word of God, it's accurate. And we're able to hold it in our hands this morning. And if by chance you happen to not bring a Bible with you, there should be one provided in the pew in front of you. Don't be afraid to look at the table of contents. I know I've had two before. And uh, so just dive in here with us. Galatians chapter three, verse 17. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. And the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. And here in verse 24, we find our text this morning. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster. And the children said, Amen. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God. So important to finish this. By faith in Christ Jesus. Let's go to God and ask for his help this morning. Lord, again, I thank you uh, that we can enter into your presence. Lord, I pray that um, your presence would be manifest this morning. I pray that you'd open our hearts to your word and help us to see and understand the purpose of the law and its role and what what we're under now. God, I pray that uh, if there's one here this morning that does not know you as their Savior, that if they were to die today, they would die under that law and they would spend an eternity in a Christless hell. I pray today, God, that you'd help them to see their need for you, that they would lay down the pride and lay down the excuses and come to know you as their Savior. And Lord, I pray that as Christians, you'd help us to continue. Though the fair ministry is over, I pray that we would continue to be burdened for souls and that we would be reminded of the condition that this world lies in this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. Our context here in Genesis, in Galatians chapter 3, um, within this context, God has made a promise to Abraham that through him all nations would be blessed. If you look at Galatians 3, verse 8, the Bible says, In the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations, of the, uh, shall all nations be blessed. So God has made this promise, and we see in verse 16, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. What was the, what was the promise that was made to Abraham and his seed? Well, primarily, it was that through him, all nations would be blessed. Now, the one who would bring about that promise was the seed, Jesus Christ. Um, by, just to help me this morning, John Phillips summarizes some of the promise that was made to Abraham. Because God did make the promise to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, we find there, um, where he said, 
in thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. And the Bible says, Abraham believed God and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, after that, God expanded on that covenant and gave us more details. Um, John Phillips says, Paul now takes up the essential basic agreements of the Abrahamic covenant and shows how that agreement has remained in force despite the later addition of the Mosaic covenant. Now, these are some of the things, I'm just going to list them for you, that God promised to Abraham. Number one, to make of Abraham a great nation. Number two, to bless him, to make his name great, to make him a blessing to the world, to bless those who blessed him, to curse those who cursed him, to make him the one through whom all nations would be blessed. And we see in Galatians that that is through the seed, Jesus Christ. Verse or number eight, to give Abraham a seed as numerous as the stars of heaven, to allow Abraham himself to live a ripe old age and then die in peace, and to ensure that Abraham would inherit a land that would stretch from the Nile to the Euphrates. So quite a promise that God made to Abraham. But primarily for us today, uh, I want us to think about it in the context that God promised Abraham that in him all nations would be blessed, and that promise was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, Abraham's seed. You'll notice that in verse number um, 16. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. In this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which is 430 years after, cannot disannul. So God then gave the Mosaic law, and we're going to look at that here in a moment. But actually, go ahead and turn with me there to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. God gave us the Mosaic law in Exodus chapter 20, and Paul is identifying here or answering the question, what purpose did the law serve? If God gave the promise to Abraham by faith, why did the law come? Now, both parents and children in here, I got to ask you this morning, have you ever had, did you ever have a really mean teacher? How many of you are the one, that one just pops in their head and you think, scarred for life, you know? Now you guys got to understand this. I grew up, I grew up with a schoolmaster. <laughs> my mother is a teacher and has been a teacher my entire life. Not so I, with my mom. Between my mom and dad, I grew up with a schoolmaster and a taskmaster. So you guys, you do not have anything. All right, your life is perfect. Um, how many of you enjoy Homes on Homes? Any guys watch that? Uh, Mike Holmes, make it right. And I am amazed at the things that he brings out. That my dad, when he was helping us to remodel some things in my house, dad made it right. You know, if it needed two or three studs right here, we just did six and made it right. All right. <laughs> my, the best one, my dad, before we uh, did some things at the house, he had this uh, electrical meter, I guess, that can measure the amount of electricity that is just oozing out of these wires. And so he brought in this electrical meter into my basement and he had the fluorescent lights up here and he's holding the meter down here and it's just going haywire. And he's like, you see that? You see that? Man, this needs to be rewired. Take it down. You know. <laughs> so he was pulling his mic homes and uh, Mike did that this week. I was watching one of the episodes and he's out there with his meter going, look at this, look at this. And it's beeping. He goes, take it all down. So I grew up with a taskmaster, but he made it right. Amen. But I also grew up with a schoolmaster. And, uh, <laughs> gotta be careful when your mom's in the audience. Um, so, <laughs> as a student in school, we've all had that, that mean teacher, right? And what's so funny is when you talk to students, a lot of times that mean teacher is just the one that, like, actually makes them do what they're supposed to when they're supposed to do it. 
All right, teens, yeah, all the teens are like, no, man, that's not true. That's no, you don't understand. Let me ask you, teachers, have you ever been misunderstood as a teacher? Never. And then I got to ask, have you ever been called out by a teacher and you really were not doing what you're supposed to be doing? I was in uh, college and I was in my Greek class. And I think this was either my, I can't remember, it might have been my freshman year at, at Crown. And we had Brother Kaiser. And man, we all love Brother Kaiser, the Bible classes and all that. But we were in Greek class and it was about halfway through the basketball season. And because I was a B, thank you to my parents, right? I was a B, I was in the front row because we were all sat alphabetically. And all of a sudden I remember I being in class one day and my eyes kind of open, and there's Brother Kaiser. He's about 5'10 and like 350 pounds. He's a big dude. And I'm going. And he's looking at me. He goes, Mr. Brynick, were you at practice yesterday? I said, uh, yes, sir. He said, did you run around at practice and shoot hoops and all that? I said, yes, sir. He goes, did you stay awake in practice? I go, yes, sir. He goes, do you think you could stay awake in my class? Oh, I'm like melting, you know, the schoolmaster, you know, I'm feeling terrible because I want to learn, but it's, it's Greek and we're talking, you know, all your conjugations and the clenchings and, you know, pastors giving it to you, the luo, luese, luane, luete, luusi, luane. It's all the different conjugations of the to be verbs. Just unbelievably fun stuff, right? <laughs> my brother Kaiser was a schoolmaster. I remember my freshman, uh, it must have been my freshman year, the first time we had methods of Bible study. And there was, uh, you know, we all could, all the kids there would come from different backgrounds, some homeschooled, some Christian school, some public school. And there was a boy that, uh, I don't, he just wasn't paying attention. And he was chewing on a pen. And Brother Kaiser got his attention. And the kid, when he responded to him, just kind of left the pen in his mouth. That was a bad idea. <laughs> bad idea. The schoolmaster and Brother Kaiser came out. Son, get the pen out of your mouth. Talk to me, you know. And... You've all been there, and sometimes you got called out because it was your fault. Let me give you this. Uh, Francis Whalen, this is, you guys have heard his name. He wrote just unbelievable books on uh, the distinctive, uh, on our Baptist principles, but also political economy. And uh, he was the president of Brown University, one of the first Baptist colleges in, in our nation history. And Wayland, in the, the book called The Life and Labors of Francis Wayland, his sons are recounting things, personal letters that his father had or things that people said about him. And he recounts being under a schoolmaster. This is from Wayland's childhood. He says, the next school which I attended was taught, if I may apply the, that term to his labor, by an Englishman, a clergyman, who subsequently attained some celebrity in the city. His school had considerable reputation. He was of venerable yet severe aspect and with a strong sense of personal dignity. He used but one motive to obedience, terror. The, the, and I don't even know how to say this. I just had to look it up. I know it's a cane or a rod, but the ferul, or ferul and the cowhide were in constant use. He never taught us anything. <laughs> Indeed, he seemed to think it below his dignity. I do not remember anything approaching explanation while I was at school. A sum was set and the pupil left to himself to find out the method of doing it. If it was wrong, the error was marked and he must try again. If it was wrong, he was imprisoned after school or he was whipped. Man, I'd say that was a schoolmaster. 
A little different today, isn't it? (laughs) I want us to notice today in our text, we're going to notice three characteristics of this schoolmaster. And the first one is the, is the, um, the, the rule, R-U-L-E, the rule of the schoolmaster ordained. The rule of the schoolmaster is the law. Look with me in Exodus chapter 20. God gave the Jews through the hand of a mediator, that mediator being Moses, the law. And in chapter 20, verse 1, he says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Rule number one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Rule number two, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate thee. Rule number three, verse number seven, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Rule number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, and it thou shalt not do any work, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, and thy maidservant. Rule number five, verse 12, honor thy father and thy mother. Verse, uh, rule number six, thou shalt not kill. Rule number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, his wife, his manservant, maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. So the law was given, and this is just part of the uh, total law that God gave. But when we think about the law, a basic good way to think about it is the Ten Commandments. God gave us this law, and this is our ruler. This is a schoolmaster, as the Bible describes. It points out when you mess up. It points out when you and I miss the mark. You can all remember, and I don't remember what the sheets were called, but do you remember, especially in grade school, where you had the big sheets, where you had like this, this big of a space to write in the letter A, and you'd go, A, and it had the little dash line in the middle, so you knew to cross that right there. A is for apple, the letter people. B is for button, remember them? C is for cotton candy, D is for donuts, and then after that I forget. But the law merely identifies where we mess up. The Bible says in John 1, 17, for the law was given by Moses. We understand that this is ordained in the hand of that mediator. But let me ask you, as you and I go through this, if we were to take this list and use it as a checklist, because a lot of people do, they go down through here and they say, number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Do you love God? And you'll, people, you ask them, do you love God? And people say, well, I believe in God. Yeah, I, I love God. Okay, have you thought about God today? Thought about God this week? He says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make into thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. We live in a culture, right? Well, there will, there will edit on a movie on TV. They'll edit all kinds of words except when the character uses the Lord Jesus Christ's name in vain. Or God's name in vain, right? Because we can do that. That's acceptable. That's okay. And the Bible says, look at what he says um, in verse number 7, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Let me ask you, have you ever had any other God before God? Have you ever bowed yourself to any graven image? You say, well, I'm not a heathen, I'm not a Buddhist. Have you ever taken the name, God's name, in vain? And just thrown it out there in anger. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
honor thy father and thy mother. All growing up, think about the times that you and I, man, that we dishonored our parents, that we were disobedient. You say, well, man, number six, and this is what happens. You know, people get to verse 13 and go, thou shalt not kill. And they go, all right, I got one. I got one in the bag. I haven't murdered anybody. Look with me. Hold your place here in Exodus and look at 1 John chapter 3. Say, man, uh, at least I won't be in the bottom 10th percentile on this. First John chapter 3 and verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a what? Hmm. Looks like God takes these issues to the heart, doesn't he? And we know the Lord Jesus Christ, we won't take the time to look there, but he says, for a man to look on a woman with lust after her in his heart hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So there goes verse number 14. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Turn back with me in our text to Galatians chapter 3. You say, wow, the law, it really is a schoolmaster, isn't it? You know, I was making fun and kind of showing you there from Wayland's life how when they would mess up, boom, they were corrected. And if you didn't get it right the next time, you were whipped or you had to stay after school for detention. And the, when I think of this schoolmaster, you know, I think of the one-room schoolhouse and, and the, the teacher that had, I don't know if my choir thing is up here, but, you know, a lady walking around with a stick, you know, and if the kid acts up, they just, just pop him on the head. You know, I, I think of, of that day, you know, the little house on the prairie days. That's what I think when I think of a schoolmaster. But when you and I look at the law, we really do see it as a schoolmaster, isn't it? A schoolmaster, by definition, is to instruct, discipline, and lead. And I hope this is the heart of of what we get this morning. In Galatians chapter 3, in verse number, um, our our text, verse number 24 here, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. You see, what our culture has done is they take the law, And when you notice from the scriptures, the law was given to the Jews. And we actually see in Romans, um, Romans and Galatians are so akin to each other. If you would, please look with me, hold your place in Galatians and look at Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. The law was given to the Jews. It was ordained by angels in the hand of the mediator, Moses. And the law was given to the Jews primarily to show them their need for a savior And to also help this world see how they ought to live, because if you remove the rules and the laws, you know, teachers in your classroom, just you walk out of the classroom and just tell the kids that all the rules don't apply for the next five minutes and see what happens. Is man innately good? Are you going to have kids throwing stuff, screaming, girls pulling each other's hair? You know, it won't take long when you remove the rules for just chaos to erupt. And God actually says it this way in um, Revelation. Romans chapter 2 and verse 14, he says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile 
accusing or else excusing one another. So God gave the law to the Jews and all of the Gentiles were able to see and learn from the Jews how they ought to behave. Now, did the Jews behave the, obey the law and behave the way that they should have? No, but the Gentiles, God says, I have written the law in their heart and you and I live in a morally, so to speak, we, we live in a country that is somewhat still guided by, we call them Judeo-Christian principles, but that's as far as it goes. And what people will do is they will take the law, they'll take the Ten Commandments, and they'll use it as a grade card. They'll use it as a checklist. I know because I talked to a lot of them this week. And you show them, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, is there any ambiguity to that verse? It's very clear. And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And um, I was speaking with one young kid, and I said, how many times would you have to kill somebody to be a murderer? Well, just once. How many times would I have to steal something from Walmart to be a thief? Just once. How many times would you have to lie to be a liar? Just once just once have you ever told a lie and his face just you could see it the conviction you could see the holy spirit and the word of god convincing him of his sin and you know what man wants to do you know what he said he said yeah but but i try and tell the truth and we take the law and we have a religious culture not a biblical culture we have a religious culture that takes this moral code and says, number one, well, I try. Okay, I got an 80% there. And number two, I really, I, I don't have any graven images. Uh, 90% there. I mean, most of the time. And, and number three, take the name, God's name in vain. Ooh, uh, kind of a 40% there. Sabbath day to keep it holy. I go to church, you know, when I'm not working, uh, 50%. And they use it as a grade card. And you know what happens? Is they look at that grade card and they have failed. Right now, Michael in our youth group, it's hilarious. I asked him this morning. I, there have been different instances where we've been in a situation where I was setting up a, a network, doing something on the computer, and something wasn't right. And he goes, oh, fail. <laughs> That's kind of the thing that, that there, some of the teens are saying now. They're just, not oh, fail. That means it bad. It didn't happen. It was wrong, right? Just fail. And imagine, parent, in our society, we, the, your kid comes home with an 80% of B. And they go, I got a B, I got a B. And you go, yes, you know, that's great. If that's, you know, that, that was their best and they put their effort into it. Or they come home with a 95%. Or man, you are the stuff. If you've got one of those weighted things and you're like at 104%, you know, with some of the AP classes, you come home and you got a 99.998%. And you're like, that's pretty much perfect. And we live in a culture where that is acceptable. That is good. That's a great standard. Look at James chapter 2 and verse 10. James chapter 2 and verse 10. We live in a culture that absolutely misuses the law. They use it as a standard to give them life. They use it as a standard to grade themselves. And as long as I don't fall in the bottom 10th percentile, I'm okay. You can go and work in a jail ministry and you'll find that there are criminals in there that... They still think they're pretty good because they ain't as bad as the guy in the cell next to them. Well, at least I didn't do that. And as long as I'm not in the bottom 10th percentile, I am probably okay. 
James chapter 2 and verse 10, this young man, as I was speaking to him at the, at the fair, he began to backtrack as the Holy Spirit of God dealt with him about his sin. And he knew that he had lied and lied multiple times. He tried to cover it up as all men do. And they try and say, well, it, it, I try to tell the truth. I try to be good. And in that very answer, you're letting me know that you have failed, that you have missed the mark in James chapter 2 and verse 10 says, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of how much? All. All. You know what, teachers? You want to be a real task schoolmaster? Fail your kid when he gets a 99.5%. Ah! Now, I'm not telling you to fail your kid, all right? I'm just, imagine, imagine in our culture, if your kid came home and said, I failed my math class. Well, what did you get? I got a 93%. We, we can't fathom that. 93%, that's an A. You know, I think of the Christmas story, A plus, plus, plus that he gets, you know, on his uh, Red Rider BB gun essay. You know, he's dreaming about getting an A plus, plus, plus. He's so excited about that. Imagine in our culture failing when you get a 99%. The law shows us that if you offend in one point, you're guilty of being a sinner and of sin against the holy God. And yes, if you get a 99.8% on that test, you fail. You fail. The law was never meant to give life. Look at our text here in Galatians chapter uh, 3. He says in verse number 21, Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been given a, a, a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. So if there was a law that could give life, then you could be saved by your little grade card. But the law can't give life. The only thing the law can do It cannot make a man holy. It can only show you where you have failed. And if you fail in this law, if you fail in this area, you are guilty of all. And God says, sinner, guilty, condemned. No ifs, ands, or buts. Hold hold your place here. Look at Romans chapter 3. The law is used to show me that I'm a sinner, not to show me how to be saved. The law is not meant to be used as a checklist to show me how to get to heaven apart from Christ. It's used to show me that I need Christ. Romans chapter 3 and verse 19. Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Teachers, let me ask you, have you ever had a student try and give you an excuse? Well, I was late because I, well, I, I didn't show up because I, I, I forgot. I didn't have that assignment because, and they make an excuse. And people want to take the law and stand before God and say, God, I got like a 90%. Come on, in the number one. And it was till that name in vain thing. And then I really botched it. But, but, but God, and they want to make excuse. And God says, every mouth stopped. No excuse. No hall pass for this one. That all the world may become guilty before God. In the first three chapters of Romans, Paul is identifying for us that God has given the barbarians the light of creation and they rejected the creator and worshipped created stuff. They started building images to themselves. And then you, you see a little bit more sophisticated Gentiles where they would judge each other. And he said, wherein you judge someone else, by that standard you'll be judged. And they were guilty of the same things. 
And then he says, even the Jews, they were given the law and knew the moral code of God, and they didn't follow it either. And the culmination here of those first three chapters of Romans, we find that all the world, no matter your political background, your social background, your age, your gender, your historical, no matter what your background is, you and I stand guilty before God. Wayland says this, again, of his schoolmaster. He says, In other studies, the text of the book must be repeated without a word of explanation. Geography was studied without a map. By the use of a perfect tri compendium, I had no idea what was meant by a bounding country, though I daily repeated the boundaries at recitation. I studied English grammar in the same way. I had a good memory and could repeat the grammar throughout. What it was about, I had not the least conception. Once the schoolmaster was visiting at my father's and I was called upon to show my proficiency in this branch of learning. I surprised my friends by my ability to begin at the commencement and to proceed as far as was desired. Yet it did not convey to me a single idea. Years afterwards, when I began to study Latin and found the relation of words to each other designated by terminations, and when the matter was explained to me, the whole of my past study came to me like a new revelation. I saw the meaning of what I had formerly in utter darkness committed to memory. You're still here in Romans 3? Look at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So Wayland said, you know what? I learned all this stuff, and I didn't even know what it meant. I just learned a bunch of things that I could spit out and recite. And people, when they learn religious terminology and they learn the rules and they learn thou shalt not have any graven images and they can repeat all these things, it doesn't mean anything to them till the Spirit of God can take that and show them that they're a sinner and they're in need of a Savior. And the Bible says now the righteousness without the law is manifested and it is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Galatians 4, 4, that when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. You see, somebody came and took our exam for us. Somebody came and lived the perfect sinless life that you and I cannot live, will not live and haven't lived. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you and I try and pass this exam to get to heaven, every person on the planet fail but jesus he was made under the law all of those ten commandments that we looked at every moment of his life perfect a plus 100 percent before god so now the righteousness without the law is manifest now we've seen the rule of the schoolmaster it's a schoolmaster We've seen the role of the schoolmaster. The role is not to save me. It's to show me I need to be saved. But people in our religious culture, they use the, the law as a gauge to measure their own goodness. And they think they're okay. And they need to see before God that if they offend at one point, they're guilty of all. And the cool thing was that young man that I was speaking to at the fair, when he started to kind of backpedal, we went over some of these things. And he, I asked him, is your, after we looked at a few more verses, is your sin bad enough to take you to hell? And with the conviction on his face, he said, yes. And I was able to say, you know what? We don't have to stop there. Let me give you the good news. Jesus died for you. He paid the price and he died and rose again from the dead.
Now look here, we see not only the rule of the schoolmaster, the role of it is to show me that I need to be saved, but look at the reign of the schoolmaster. The reign of the schoolmaster. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. The reign of the schoolmaster we're going to talk about tonight. You say, wow, I'm not under a schoolmaster. I can like, I don't have to obey the Ten Commandments. I can, you're going to have to come back tonight. We'll dive in and look at that. But let me, let me ask you a very serious question. You may be in here this morning and you've used the law as a good checklist. And, and you've tried to be a good person. And you know what? That's better than being a bad person, but it's not going to get you to heaven. The only one who can get us to heaven is Jesus Christ. And we see that that relationship with Him comes by faith. If you backpedal, as we've gone through those in the Ten Commandments, you might be in your mind backpedaling saying, well, I messed up, but... I, and you make excuse. There will be a day when you stand before God and every mouth will be stopped and you will stand guilty before a holy God condemned to a Christless hell. God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to go to heaven. He wants you to give Him that little checklist that you've got. Give it to Him and accept the checklist that His Son is providing for you. The Lord Jesus Christ who lived the perfect sinless life died on the cross, buried, rose again for you and for me. Have you accepted that free gift? Or you still got your, your grade card and you're excited that you got a whatever percent? It's not going to pass before God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy.